0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text, elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: In the middle of essay one, is the notes Altarebi wrote to himself while he was writing the Tanya and specifically in chapter 40, 39-40. And he started out explaining when a person reads the stories in the Torah, what could possibly happen as an effect? You're just reading a nice story, a simple story. If you don't know all the deep mystical insights that are contained in the story, deep divine truths. It's not like when you study halacha, study mitzvah, you're studying the will of Hashem, you're studying the body of the Torah, the stories of the Torah, like the garments of the Torah. So if I only have the garment and I don't have what's inside the garment, what do I have? And he explained that when you study the Torah, when we study the Torah in this world, on a conscious level, on a human level, on a parallel level, our counterpart, the root and source of our nashram is also studying Torah at the same time. It's like a human analogy when you are puzzling on something, you're trying to figure out something, and your conscious mind is trying to figure it out. And you're confounded and confused and puzzled and you can't it doesn't make sense, you don't understand it, and you're frustrated. And then suddenly, you have the Eureka moment, an idea pops into your mind, to your brain, It's illumination, this lightning, this bolt of lightning, this creative spark, and suddenly, you see the way out, you see an answer, a possibility, seemingly, seemingly coming out of nowhere. But where does, that, where does it come from? It comes from within us, it didn't come out of thin air. But it came from within us, a place that we're not even aware of, our subconscious. So while we were struggling with the problem, our subconscious was also working on the problem. We were blissfully unaware. Because whatever we are engaged in, on a conscious level, which is a very narrow spectrum, it's like a tip of the iceberg. But simultaneously, it affects the whole iceberg. That on a deeper level that we're not even aware of, whatever we are engaged in, the subconscious is also engaged in So while you are puzzling and trying to figure it out, your subconscious is also working on it. By the rabbis, some of the best answers, insights came while they were asleep. When you're asleep, when you dream, you can access your subconscious. You're not so narrow, you're not so limited, you're not so confined. So whatever you're engaged in during the day, that's what you dream about at night. Because your subconscious is, is engaged in the same thing. So we are like in the driver's seat, but it's like a double-decker bus. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the lower level, driving in the lower level. But meanwhile, uh, there's a double level, a triple level, uh, a, quadru- a fourth level, a fifth level. So I am just aware of my level, but I am driving the whole, all of the levels. When the Jew gets called up to the Torah, all five levels of the soul are elevated with you even though you're blissfully unaware. So while we're studying Torah, and to us it's just on a simple level, we don't know the insight, just a nice, beautiful story. But simultaneously, our neshama, the deeper levels of the neshama, the root and source, on a parallel level, is also engaged in studying Torah on its level. And there it studies Torah with all the deep mystical insights. So therefore something very real happens. And that's where we left off. And now he's going to ask the question that seems to contradict another place in the, in the Zohar. Now the Rebbe, when he was working through these, learning this, he made notes of seeming contradictions in the Zohar and he, these, the point of these essays is to reconcile these seeming contradictions. So he's going to quote the Zohar that says that thought accomplishes nothing. seems to contradict what he just said. That when you're just reading, not verbalizing the words of the Torah. We're not not talking about speaking the words of Torah. The word, when you speak the words of Torah, then yes, speech has energy. Then the words are elevated. But he's saying when you're just reading the words of Torah, silently reading, so all you have is thought. So the Zohar says, thought without speech accomplishes nothing. And the Zohar refers to both in the negative and the positive. That it says a person is not allowed to speak about business on Shabbat. Because if you speak about business on Shabbat, it uh, has a negative effect, it creates a scar, it does damage. But if you just think about business and Shabbat, thought doesn't affect, doesn't have any impact. It's nothing. And the same is in the positive. In order to have an effect, an impact, above, it's only through action and through speech. Thought doesn't have that power. Doesn't leave an impression. Has no effect. Doesn't leave any impact how do you reconcile with what we just discussed, that even just reading the stories of the Torah, even just reading, silently reading, and the stories, the most superficial, the garments of the Torah, simple stories. And yet, while you're reading the stories of the Torah, the root of our soul is also simultaneously studying and engaged in those stories on its level. Where it grasps all these deep mystical interests. So How could you say that thought Alone has no effect. That's what he's going to explain now. As
2: to the statement in the Zohar, volume oh, yeah. 3, 5, that thinking achieves nothing, i.e., not even a beneficial effect, if the arousal from below, deed, or speech are lacking, speaking of thought, the Zohar there refers to improper thoughts that achieve nothing. For it is only when one actually speaks and not merely thinks of mundane matters on Chavez that he causes a blemish in the spiritual realm, since his speech ascends aloft and introduces mundanity within the sanctity of Shabbat above. In the same way the Rebbe adds, thought alone, unless it is accompanied by words or deed, has no positive effect above. Examine closely there as well, page 31b. For so the Zohar says there that in order to receive the sanctity and joy of the Jewish festivals, there must first be an arousal from below through deed or speech. It then goes on to say that mundane talk during Shabbos will put the blemish above, though not mundane thoughts. We thus see that the Zohar is speaking of the inability of thought alone to produce either positive or negative effects. The same is true of the statement in Zohar 3.31b that a deed below inspires a deed above. A holy deed brings forth an arousal of holiness from above that descends upon the doer, while a deed, stemming from impurity, causes a spirit of impurity to descend upon him. The Zohar concludes there that whatever depends upon action affects action, while whatever depends upon speech affects speech. This too indicates that both a positive and a negative impact can be made only through action or speech, and not through disembodied thought alone. Now if thought alone accomplishes nothing, how does this square with the earlier statement that when one reads the narratives of the Torah, even if he does so only as thought, he causes the likeness of supernal man to study Torah, and thereby the person involved is united with supernal wisdom. The author Revi resolves this seeming contradiction as follows. The Zohar only means that thought has no effect in drawing down illumination from above. It is true that it is not an arousal from below that elicits an arousal from above. However, thought, does have a vital effect above. One's thought and intention are indispensable in elevating one's power study and performance and in affecting the consequence of kernel unions.
1: To return now to the above quote statement that thinking accomplishes nothing. So basically the contradiction is deeper because if you're saying that in order for the bird to fly, to soar, you need the wings, thought, intention. So thought and intention are critical. Of course, they accomplish a lot. It's the, it's the energy that causes the deed to soar. On the other hand, thought you say thought is nothing. It's the action that matters most. So thought is indispensable. Thought is critical. Action without thought is like a body without a soul, which is a corpse which is dead, which is nothing. On the other hand, without action you have nothing. You have wings without a bird. (laughs) You really have nothing. You can have a bird without wings. The bird is kosher, it's whole, it's intact. It doesn't go anywhere. But the wings without a bird is zero, you have nothing. So wings are indispensable, are critical, This thought which is the soul, which is what you have in the inside, is critical. And as he said before, when we're reading silently and thinking and engaged, our soul is also engaged. And at the same time, he says that it's nothing. So how do you explain it? So the Rebbe reconciles and he says that thought expresses the soul, its energy. And it's very deep and very profound. And while we're soulful and we're reading the stories of the Torah, on the deepest level, our Nishama is also engaged on the highest level. So, of course, it has an effect on high. But it has no impact here below. in order to evoke a response, in order to draw down, that should have an impact here, for that you need speech or action. It's only when we speak or we act, when we speak the words of the Torah, or we act, which is a form of action, or we do an action, then the effect of the speech and action is not only that it affects above, but then it, it evokes a response, it elicits a response, it draws down the energy to this world. So it's a two-way street. We elevate, and then it comes down. Jacob's ladder. The angels go up, and the angels go down. The question is, which one comes first? Logically, it should have been first the angels have to come down to heaven and then they return to heaven. But in division, no. First the angels went up and then the angels went down. So Rashi says a simple reason is because these were the angels who escorted Jacob from the land of Israel. They couldn't leave the land of Israel. So first they went up and the angels were going to escort him outside the land of Israel. Came down a new set of angels. But on the deeper level, this ladder represents the relationship between our world and the parallel worlds and the spiritual worlds. And there's a ladder that connects the two. And first, the angels go up. When we pray, the angels carry our prayer upwards. This is the the ladder of prayer. Jacob prayed the evening service. So our prayers ascend on high. And then there's a response. Hashem responds to our prayers. He blesses us. The blessings come down. The response. There's an energy. You evoke a response. You touch on high. And then there's a flow. So this from the bottom up and then this from the top down. It's like a marriage, a relationship. The man and woman, the masculine and the feminine. First there's an arousal from below. And that arouses the masculine response. And then then there's a a drawing down. From the top down. So from the bottom up. And that evokes a response. And that draws down a response. And that's the relationship. Back and forth. It's up and down. That creates that connection. So in order. That's what the Zohar means. In order to achieve that. Affect, that's only through speech or action. That's why even prayer, you have to speak the words. You can't just pray silently. That's not an option in Judaism. Silent meditation, it's very nice, but that's not prayer. It doesn't accomplish anything. Yes, spiritually. Spiritually, it does affect, but it's a one-way street. It goes up. But it stays stuck in heaven. There's no response. There's no impact in this world. It just remains up there, marooned in outer space. It's very nice. So when you read words of the Torah, silently read words of the stories of the Torah, yes, on a spiritual realm, your parallel level of the soul is engaged in the study of Torah on the deepest levels. But the Zohar says, that's wonderful. But it's marooned in outer space. It has no impact in this world. Thought doesn't accomplish anything. In this world, it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't leave any mark. It's as if it never happened. There's no effect. Historically, there's no effect in this world. The spiritual dimension. It's beautiful. But that's where it remains. Stuck. In order to achieve an effect in this world, it's only through action or speech. And the Zohar speaks both in the positive and the negative. That on Shabbat, if you speak inappropriate words on Shabbat, you're speaking about mundane things, about business on Shabbat, it creates, it has an impact, a negative impact on this world. But if you just think, if you think about business and Shabbat, think about mundane things, it has no impact in this world. It does have a spiritual impact, but not in this world. And vice versa. To draw down the joy of the Yom Tif and the joy of the Shabbos and the Yom Tif, it's only when you speak and you act, it's the action that has an impact. It has an impact on high that causes the response from on high, the drawing down of a new new energy. And that's the parable of the bird. The wings cause the bird to soar. The bird is the action. The bird is the speech. When the bird and the speech are done with thought and with uh, spirit and with intent, then the bird soars. And the bird has an effect on high, a type of effect that evokes a response from on high, and then that new energy is drawn down into this world and has an effect and impact in this world. Versus if you just have the action without the wings, without any thought, without any intent, then it remains flat. Like the famous story of the Baal Shem Tov. He walked into the synagogue and he walked right out. He says, I can't walk into the shul. It's so full of Torah. The rabbi was very flattered. <laughs> he says, yes, of course. We've been studying Torah for all these years and so much Torah. The rabbi the Baal Shem Tov says, no, I mean to say, is the Zohar says, when you study Torah with the proper intent, the Torah soars. The energy, the Torah flies, goes to heaven. But your prayer and your study Torah is so egotistical and so arrogant and without any intent, without any soulless. It's soulless, without any egolessness, without any. It's not light, it's heavy. It's it's, it's heavy and it's self centered and self absorbed and it's not thinking about Hashem. You could be studying Torah, but you're not thinking about Hashem. And therefore, the Torah remains flat. The bird can't fly, it has no wings. You have the bird, you have the action, but it goes nowhere. So it doesn't affect, doesn't have that effect, doesn't have that impact. But when the, you study Torah with the proper intent, then the bird soars. And the more soulful and the less ego and the deeper the intent, the, more, the higher, the lighter the bird is, the higher it flies, it soars. and It has a much far-reaching impact. The mitzvah of a tzaddik, the Torah of a tzaddik. It's so egoless and so pure and so deep and so sincere and so powerful and profound that it has such a powerful effect. It reaches so high and it has such an effect that Hashem responds. And the response is also drawn all the way down to this world. So that's only when you have the combination of the deed together with the full. But if there is no deed, you're just reading the stories of the Torah, silently reading. And just the story is a simple story. There is no action. There's no speech. There's nothing here that can reach above. There's no arousal from below. Yes, you're reading, and it's spiritual. And it does have a spiritual effect because the parallel level of your is affected and does respond and is also engaged in the same thing that you're engaged in, but there's no arousal from below. It's only when there's like the feminine energy that arouses the masculine energy, when there's arousal from below, that evokes a response. You know, if there's no deposit, there's no return. In order for fire to burn, something has to give. If nothing gives in the physical world, the wick doesn't give up. It doesn't sacrifice. If nothing gives, there's no participation and there's no response. So there's no speech. There's no action. That's what the Zohar means. There's no speech. There's no action. Thought doesn't accomplish anything. Thought per se doesn't accomplish anything. Not that thought doesn't... Thought is very powerful. We see the effect of thought. And the Torah without thought is flat. It's a bird without wings. But thought per se doesn't accomplish anything because it doesn't, there's no arousal from below. So there's no response from, from above. Yes, on a spiritual level, something happens. But nothing that finds its way back to us. So there's no impact in this world. In this world, it's as if it never happened. It doesn't leave any mark. So it happens very quietly, but it leaves no impact. You can meditate from today till tomorrow, but it has no impact. It doesn't change the world. And a Jew's mission in life, and the reason why God created the world, and He sent the soul, our into this world, is to change this world. To impact this world. To affect change in the world. But if we're not speaking and we're not doing and we're not bringing anything to the table, all we are is closing our eyes and thinking and meditating. It's very nice. But we did that much better in heaven. (laughs) There was no reason for the soul to come down into this world. Whatever whatever we meditate in this world, we did a lot better when we were in a disembodied state.
2: (laughs) Meditating for 60 years.
1: 60 years. In heaven you meditate, there's no coffee breaks, there's there's no sleep, It's 24-7. Angels have been meditating for thousands of years. I mean, God doesn't need, didn't need to create this world and send us into this world to meditate. He sends us into this world to impact the world, to change the world, to have an effect in this world. That's what the Zohar says. Thought you, doesn't do anything. Very powerful statement. Doesn't do anything. What do you mean doesn't do anything? We know that it does do something. We just finished reading and learning. The same Zohar says when you're reading up here that your soul is, 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 is communing and understands Torah and the deepest levels engage in the same activity on a much higher level. So of course it has an effect. Yes. But it doesn't do anything it doesn't bring anything to the table. It doesn't accomplish anything on the purpose of the soul came into this world that Hashem wants, which is to affect this world. It has zero effect in this world. zero impact in this world. The world has remained just as coarse and crass as it was bef- before you've meditated for 60 years. Nothing changed. There's no... From on high, nothing changed. You haven't drawn down that energy into this world. But when you study, when you do a mitzvah, when you speak and you do the deed and it's done with intent and you draw down a new energy into this world, you've changed this world. You've impacted this world. This world will never be the same. Then you fulfill your divine mission. Now you're fulfilling what Hashem wants you to do. Then you're making a difference. Otherwise, as Ora says very sharply, it doesn't do anything. Not in this world, not in the here and now.
0: We may say that this disability refers only to arousing a reaction above to call forth downward flow of divine light. The thought that rises above simply remains there, greatly increasing the illumination there. This increased illumination in Nazareth is brought about through the verbal study of Scripture and the practice of active mitzvah is in Siyah. For the consequent union takes place primarily within. So uh, Only its fruits reach this world through the illumination that is called forth in minute measure, here below by speech and deed that serve as an arousal from below to draw down the arousal from above. Through thinking alone, however, nothing is called forth, and the above-mentioned increased illumination we're remains entirely above.
1: There is a spiritual effect, but it just remains above, it remains marooned in outer space, it remains in the spiritual realm, and there's no contact. And no, Zero effect with this world. You know, it's not unlike before Avram came on the scene. There were great tzaddikim. There were giants. Misruselach. <laughs> Chanoich. Even Noach, Shame. These were giants. Spiritual giants. What was their impact on the world around them? Zero. They were flying with the angels. They were communing, spiritual, deep, intense, meditating. But zero impact, zero effect. Because whatever they were accomplishing was on high. But there was no trickle-down effect. So while yes, even when you do the act and when you do the speech, the main impact is on high. It's like you're, you're putting away savings. You're sending it to your Swiss bank account. You're putting away savings. In it. But there's a trickle effect. From all those savings, there's the dividends start coming. There's a trickle effect. There's an effect that impacts you, that you feel here and now. All that light, from all that light, something, something is drawn down and finds its way into this world. That affects change and changes this world.
2: Hence, if one merely thinks <laughs> the words of the Shema, does not verbalize them vocally, he has not fulfilled his obligation, for which his soul descended into this world, means only to draw supernal illuminations into the lower world. In the world in the, word, the words of Eitz Sha'ar 26, the purpose of the soul's descent is to call forth illumination. The godly soul does not descend into this world for its own sake for it is not in need of any rectification. Rather, it was sent here in order to rectify and refine the body and the animal soul by drawing supernal
1: illumination down into this otherwise dark world. The Rabbi Rebbe mentioned in the first part of the Tanya that the Neshama did not come down. He quotes the Eitz Chaim from the Arizal, that the Neshama did not come down for its own sake. The neshama is perfect. The neshama doesn't need any fixing. Shama is perfect. Soul is perfect. Soul is whole. How do you make something perfect even more perfect? The soul's job, the soul's mission, is not to take care of itself because it's perfect. The nesh- soul's mission is to take care of others, to take care of our body, take care of our animal soul, because the animal soul is coarse and crass and is far from perfect, and it needs fixing, and it needs changing, and it needs educating, it needs an education. So the soul's main purpose is to engage with the animal soul, to fix it, to change it, to elevate it, so, a person who ignores the animal soul, suppresses the animal soul, and just focuses on your sublime self, your spiritual self, your noble self, you're missing the point. Because whatever you can accomplish, no matter how noble, no matter how deep and how sensitive and how profound, and whatever spiritual levels you can accomplish in this world, it pales in comparison to the intensity. And the clarity and the depth of what the soul experienced before you were born. Before you came down into this world. So that's not the point. That's not the purpose. For this you didn't have to come down into this world and go through this whole trauma. To become a a pale, to become a a poor reflection of what you were before you came down into this world. Before you were perfect. Uh, What was the point? The neshama came down into this world because we have a mission. We're charged with a mission. To take care of our body, to take care of our animal soul, our egos. To have an effect, and impact. And to try to change and elevate and transform and refine and engage and in interest. The animal soul also in, with, with godliness that's what he's quoting the Eitz Chaim. So if a person just sits and meditates, meditation just affects the soul. The animal soul is not touched by meditation. You can go into a trance, you can meditate, you can put the animal soul to sleep, you can an- anesthetize it, you can uh, ignore it, you can, and your soul is soaring, your soul is responding, your soul gets excited about spiritu- spirituality. But the ego, the natural soul, there's not what you're talking about. Give me a delicious ice cream. Give me something material, something, something delicious. That I understand. You start talking to me about godliness. My eyes glaze over. I, what are you talking about? Just, just give me something I can sink my teeth in. Something that's fun. That's uh, lustful. That's great, That I can crave. That's pleasurable. But this lofty, abstract. Deep, profound, sublime, spiritual ideas. The godly soul gets all excited. The godly soul is dancing with joy. But the animal soul is left out of the party. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he's bored. That's what you're talking about. He can't relate, can't connect. So you can march off. It's like the, your mission in life. The godly soul's mission in life is to be the locomotive that pulls. The whole train, those 40 trains that are attached to the locomotive. But a person who meditates and doesn't say the words of prayer is like a locomotive is disconnected, someone unhooked, unlinked, the link between the locomotive and the trains. And the locomotive is rushing and making noise and is on fire and is cooking. But no one is following. The godly soul is all excited, but the uh, animal soul is left cold and different. Your mission in life, the godly soul's mission in life is to pull the whole train, to get the animal soul, to educate the animal soul, to change and transform, to get the animal soul engaged and interested and excited about godliness. And that's why the whole focus of Judaism is the action. Or the speech, you have to move your lips. We're the only people in the world that, that find prayer is moving your lips. You walk into any house of worship in the world, people sit silently, quietly, serenely, deep, deep, deep meditation, nice new age music, waterfalls flowing, bliss, <laughs> serenity. You walk into a shul, everyone is talking and everyone is speaking to themselves and davening. And halachically, if you don't daven, you can sit and meditate from today till tomorrow, you have nothing. You didn't fulfill your obligation. The whole occupation of a Jew is engaging the body. Everything we do has to be physical, verbal, active, action. Meditation, spirituality is not enough. Meditation, spirituality, are the wings. But the, the bird, the main event is the action. Because the whole purpose of the soul coming down, that's our mission. That's what the soul came down into this world to accomplish. Our mission is to have impact, to, have, to affect change. That's our goal. We have to accomplish them. We have a job to do. And if we're just meditating and not speaking, we're not doing our job. So that's what the Zohar means. Thought is nothing. Thought doesn't, doesn't evoke any response. It has no impact. That's not what excites Hashem. What excites Hashem? It's a two-way street. An arousal from below evokes a response from above. Because what excites Hashem? The angels don't excite Hashem. Hashem has infinite angels. And they meditate 24-7. And they're praising Hashem. And they're dancing with ecstasy. And each angel is holy and pure. And and yet, it's not too exciting there. What excites Hashem? When a person, a human being, flesh and blood, with all our foibles, and all (laughs) our limitations, and contradictions, and foolishness, and we mumble words of Torah, and we mumble words of prayer, Shem gets very excited. It's like when a person speaks, you want to run for the hills. But when a parrot speaks, (laughs) even Einstein is entertained. The king is entertained. It's so exciting. What's so exciting? Because you compare a bird speaking, a parrot speaking to a human. A human speaks so clearly and eloquently. The bird says a few words. It's barely, barely, barely legible. And yet, everyone gets so excited, so entertaining, the greatest person will find it entertaining. They start laughing and find it entertaining, Because you don't expect it. You expect a human to speak. There's nothing exciting about it. It's totally predictable, totally accepted. But a parrot should speak, a bird should speak, an animal should speak. It's unheard of. It's so exciting. So when the angels sit and meditate all day and they're praising Hashem, it's not so entertaining to Hashem. It's expected, it's predictable, it's almost mechanical. There's nothing, no surprises there. There's no newspapers in heaven. What's the big news? (laughs) That angel praised Hashem today. I mean, there's no... Everything is predictable, everything is... A human being in this world, with all the conflicts and distractions and everything that's going on. And we're mumbling words of prayer and we're, we're trying to connect with Hashem and we're trying to think about Hashem in the midst of all this tumult of life and all these difficulties and challenges. And yet we're trying so hard to lift ourselves up and to connect with Hashem. Hashem this, this, it gives Hashem no end. There's no end to Hashem's pleasure. It gives Hashem so much pleasure. This evokes a response. So it's only our actions in this world, our speech, when we engage the body, the physical... That touches Hashem and that evokes a response. That that innovative, that's creative, that creates something new. And that evokes a new response, a a flow of divine energy, a new flow of energy, a new revelation that ultimately trickles down, trickles back into this world. The angels go up the ladder and then they come down the ladder, they draw down, that's a trickle-down response. What we've accomplished through our prayer the trickle-down response, through our verbal prayer, the trickle-down response is those, those are what the angels coming down the ladder. So that's what the Zohar says. Thought alone, without speech, doesn't accomplish anything. Yes, it's very spiritual, but it doesn't accomplish anything as far as our goal and mission and ultimate purpose, and and has, doesn't evoke any response, doesn't draw down anything new. Doesn't evoke any response into this world, it has no effect, no impact. But on the other hand, he's going to say, action alone is also nothing. A bird without wings goes nowhere, doesn't climb the ladder, also has no effect. You need those wings, you need to be able to climb, you need the thought. Thought is critical. Intention is critical, spirituality is critical, meditation is critical, sincerity, sensitivity, depth, spirituality, soul, passion, love, joy, all these things are critical. Those are the wings that help us. Take the mitzvah, take the physical mitzvah and make it soar. Then the effect and impact is so much more powerful. And then the trickle-down effect is also so much more powerful. That's why when the tzaddik prays, it's one thing we pray, it's another thing when the tzaddik prays. We pray, either Hashem answers, yes or no. (laughs) When the tzaddik prays, his prayer shakes up the whole universe. Hashem responds. Because it's so deep and so heartfelt and so... that it just soars to the highest level and creates such a union and creates such a revelation and creates such a powerful, powerful response. trickle-down effect is also very powerful so the greater the tzaddik the more egoless the tzaddik more spiritual the tzaddik the more powerful the words of prayer the more powerful will be its effect and impact but you have to say it verbally there has to be the action and the verbal action otherwise thought doesn't accomplish it
0: and to elevate one selva and mitzvah from below upwards, okay, there must be good thought, a positive intent that stems from love and pure thought. So for without all in love, this divine service in selva and mitzvah is not to go upwards. As stated in Sahar Anu Nabuah, section 2, and the good thought is that which raises selva and mitzvah from below. But here we appear to have a contradiction. Now we have an expression quoted in the soul of Zohar above that the sound of photo study pierces firmament. And this is true even when the sound of photo study is without awe and love. But a reasoning from the case of idle words, If idle or ma- mundane words spoken on Shabbat, the same and words of Lema Shabbat, purely holy words the same, even when they are not accomplished by law and love of God the measure of good is more generous than its opposite. How are we to reconcile this with the statement that without all and love,
1: one's total is not the Now he's addressing another seeming contradiction. Don't forget, these are notes that the Rebbe wrote for himself. So he says, okay, so we just finished explaining what it means that thought alone is nothing. Of course, it's something spiritually, but it's nothing as far as it doesn't draw down, evoke any response and doesn't draw down any new energy and there's no trickle-down effect because it doesn't have an impact. There's no arousal from below. There's no response above and high. On the other hand, action alone is nothing. Action alone is a bird without wings. Of course, thought is critical. and Intention is critical. Those are the wings that take the prayer and take the, the words that are spoken and take the action and help it soar and, ri- and help raise it to the highest level, and the, the higher it soars, the greater the impact, and the greater the trickle-down effect into this world. But that seems to contradict um, what the Arizal writes elsewhere, that when a person, the sounds of the words of Taita speaking the words of Taita pierce the heavens. The firmaments. Just speaking. The words. Because words have energy. Remember we started out discussing reading silently. If you read the stories of the Torah. Versus if you speak. Even if you're speaking the stories of the Torah. The simple stories of the Torah. But the power of speech. is an energy there that does cause to take these, this Torah and it pierces the heavens. So we see that just merely speaking as long as it's not reading silently, I'm actually moving my lips, does have the power. Even if I'm not doing it with an ego-less, an egoless way, I'm not doing it with a proper intention. Even without love and awe of Hashem. Yet it has the power to be elevated. And he brings a proof. We learned earlier, the Zohar says, when a person speaks negative words, on Shabbat you speak mundane, about mundane things, you speak about business on Shabbat, it has an effect, it has a negative effect on high. You create a you impact the universe negatively. And you create a scar in the universe. So if negative words have such an effect and such an impact, surely, words of Torah, positive words, even if I'm not doing it with the proper intent and the proper meditation and spirituality, I'm just speaking words of Torah, surely... This act of speaking per se has the power to elevate these words to the heavens. And yet we just finished saying that without thought, without intention, without the wings, the bird goes nowhere. So how do you reconcile that? So in the lessons in Tanya, for some reason he takes it out, but in the the original Tanyas, there's a parenthesis here. The Alter Rebbe wrote to himself that it's not such a strong proof. The proof that he's bringing, from that that it's written, the Zohar writes that when a person speaks mundane things on Shabbat, it has a negative effect. And from this, the Alter Rebbe wants to bring a proof that speech per se, if it works in the negative, surely it should work in the positive. Even if there's no love behind these words, I'm just speaking words mechanically. I'm just saying the words of the prayer or the, or the Torah. But Al Rebbe says to himself, it's not such a big proof. I can differentiate it in the two. Because when you speak words, when you're speaking about something mundane, you're speaking about business, these words are not mechanical. There is a lust behind it. A lust for money. Uh, there's an energy there. So maybe it's the energy that causes the words to soar and to have a negative impact on the higher realms. There's an energy behind these words. I'm not just reading it mechanically. But many of us, when you're just reading the Torah, and you're just reading the prayer, uh, it could be very mechanical and very superficial and very external. My word, my lips are moving, but my mind, I can be so far away there's no love of Hashem. There's no energy. There's no passion for godliness. I don't sense anything God. I don't feel godly. I don't sense godliness. It's an obligation. It's a duty. I have to say the words. I'm saying the words in my mouth. I'm moving my lips. And I'm saying the words. But if there's no energy, even though it's positive and it's holy words and it's positive, I'm doing something positive, something good. But maybe without energy, yes, It goes nowhere. It doesn't have the ability. The bird has no wings. It flies nowhere. It remains flat. It remains grounded. And the mitzvot go nowhere. It has no effect on height. That's what he wrote for himself in the parentheses. But he left it in the parentheses. And he does seem to say that that's he's going to say. The truth is that it's not so. You're right. Words per se... Even without the passion and the sensitivity and the depth and the spirituality, does have an effect. It's not like thought. The words do penetrate. But where does it penetrate? he says. He says, "It penetrates.:
2: This refers only to firmament, meaning the
0: chamber and abodes, i.e. the external aspect of supernal men but not the body of supernal man. <clears throat> i.e., if one's Torah study is not propelled by a love and awe of God, it does not ascend to the body of supernal man, which comprises the ten spirit of the world involved.
1: Every world is a whole entire world. So just like the, this world, we know all the other worlds because the other worlds are parallel to our worlds. So you have the person. Then you have space and you have time. So you have the person himself, the body, the physical body. Within the body you have the soul. The body alone is a corpse. When the soul leaves, the body is a corpse, a piece of clay. When the body is alive, every whole hundred trillion cells are alive. The body and the soul come inseparable. The body comes alive. It's not just a machine. The body is not a machine. The body actually is alive. Because it becomes one and inseparable with the soul. And that's just the the basic level of the soul. The interface between the soul and the body. The nefesh. And you have the higher level, deeper levels of the soul. The ruach. And you have the deeper levels of the emotions. You have the deeper levels of the soul. The neshama. The brain. Then you have even deeper levels. You have the body. Then you have the clothes of the person which fit the body, match the body, very close to the body. They fit you perfectly. So they're separate from you, but they fit you. Then you have the house that you reside in, that's more distant from you. So yes, it's your home, and you express yourself. You express yourself in the clothes that you wear. In a certain way, it's your home. You express yourself in your home. But it's a much uh, more distant relationship. Your home is a much more distant relationship to you than your clothes and surely, from your body. Your body is you. The home is not you. Clothes are interchangeable, and the home ultimately can also change. But the home is an expression of you. It's your home. You feel, you walk into a person's home, you feel their being, their presence. You feel, you know, it's their home. They live in it. They decorate it. They live in it. They express themselves in their home. So it's connected to the person. The person identifies, is identified with the home, but you can't compare it and a person identifies with his clothes, which is even a much deeper expression, a closer expression, Then a person identifies themselves with their jewelry, which is a much more intimate expression. And of course the body, the body is you, is inseparable from you. Even though it's just the body, and then you have the soul. So this is the model. Every world is comprised of the person, who's like in the center, And the person lives in space and lives through time. So this is the setting, this is the arena, this is the setting. We we live in this parameter. There's the person, there's the the space, the world, and there's time, and closer to the person, the person lives in a home, lives in a palace. You're royalty, you live in a palace, you don't just live in a home, home you live in a palace. It's all an expression of you. And then you have the clothes of the person. Then you have the body of the person. And then you have the soul of the person. And the different levels, deeper levels of the soul. So this is the model that we can relate to. This is is what we know from ourselves. And we know that the other worlds, the parallel universes, all have the same model. So when you talk about the center of the world, the body, of the world, which are the ten svirot. They are the body of the world. God creates the world with the ten utterances. These are the building blocks of the world. They are the divine expressions. So this is the body of the world, like the center of the world. It's like the consciousness of the world. That is really the center. Without consciousness, there's nothing. This is is the center of the body of the world. This is the... And that's the body. And the body is one with its soul, and you have different, deeper layers, layers of the soul, levels of the soul. Then you have the trappings of the person, the palaces, the homes. If you have aristocracy, you have a winter palace and you have a summer palace, and you have the Hampton Palace and you have the Park Avenue Palace, <laughs> different, different homes and different. But it's all expressions of you. But the relationship is a little farther away. So he says, the, when a Jew studies Torah with love for Hashem, with an egolessness, with a proper intent, no ulterior motive, with a sense of the divine, a sense of the godly, then the, they are the wings that cause the bird to soar and to connect with the body of that world, which are the ten sfirot, which are the, the center of the world, which is like the body to the soul, which is like is and is one with Hashem. When a person speaks the words of Torah, Without the passion, without the love, without the spirituality, without the sensitivity, without the refinement. Words have an energy. And words do cause the, the words to soar, to penetrate. But it only penetrates the external, the palaces. So it's lodged in the palace in the home but it never reaches it doesn't connect with the body it's superficial it's peripheral so yes there's an energy in words, words have an energy so when you speak it causes the words to pierce and to penetrate to the heavens but only the palaces only the peripheral it doesn't really get to the body It doesn't really connect to the center And that's why It remains stuck in the palace It doesn't evoke any response It's not personal It's there In the periphery It's in heaven But it doesn't touch the body When you words When you speak words of Torah With the the proper intention Then they soar And they connect with the body it's personal and it evokes a personal response. And that's what he differentiates in the language. He says, the Edizower says that it pierces through the heavens. That's all. And it remains lodged in the palace. But it d- doesn't penetrate Hashem, Hashem himself. It doesn't evoke a personal response. So there's no trickle-down effect. For this world
2: it certainly does not ascend to the nefesh rock and the shama of supernal man the light of the seal that illumines that world even not of the supernal man of the Sia, meaning the fear wrote both its lights and vessels without awe and love one's torah study cannot ascend even to this level this is the intention of the takunim that without fear and love it cannot ascend or stand before hashem this means that it is capable of ascending to a higher world, but not before the goodness of that world, i.e. the spirit of that world. In order for it to ascend there, there must be awe of love.
1: Yes, it ascends spiritually. So it is, there is an energy in these words, and these words have a spiritual impact, but not a godly impact. Hashem is not touched because it came, from, it came from a very superficial place within you. It's like a mirror. It's reciprocal. It's a two-way street. He's speaking the words, and he's just speaking it mechanically. Yes, he spoke. And there's a certain energy in these words. But there's no life. It's lifeless, soulless, joyless, passionless. So, yes, you may, you may go to heaven somewhere have some spiritual, a spiritual effect somewhere but you're not touching godliness. Godliness you only touch when it's genuine, when it's deep, when it's personal. When something stirs inside of you and it's it's done with the right intention, sincerely, there's sincerity, there's egolessness, there's love, there's self-forgetfulness. That touches Hashem. That moves Hashem. That evokes a response from Hashem. Otherwise, yes, it goes to the palace. It's a huge palace. And it gets lost there. It's there, it's there somewhere. But it has no effect. But when you're touching the body, so to speak. When you're hitting home. You're hitting a home run. You're hitting home. You hit it on the nail. You made a sale. You're getting a response. Now you're talking. That only happens when it's done with Shema when it's done properly. Then the bird soars. Then the thought is critical. Thought is critical, indispensable. But not thought per se. Even l'shma, even if your eagle isn't meditating and spiritual, but if there's no action, there's no speech. Yes. You're touching the, the you, you 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 go, it soars. But again, there's no arousal from below. There's no bird. <laughs> there's nothing from this world. There's nothing from this world. There's nothing to excite Hashem. You're not offering Him anything. You're not bringing Him anything. You're not bringing Him anything new. Spirituality, meditation. Hashem says, I have plenty of that in heaven. What are you bringing to the table? What are you giving me? You're not giving me anything. For this, for this I created? For this I send you into this world? for this I need you, the angels do a much better job than you'll ever do. When your soul was in heaven, it did a better job than you'll ever do. Even your best prayer, your deepest meditation, it's nothing. It's almost a caricature of what your soul experienced before it came down to this world. And what your soul will experience after it leaves this world. So, what's the point? What are you bringing, me to, the, what are you bringing to the table? What are you table? What are you adding? What have you accomplished? What have you done? Nice wings. But there's no bird. <laughs> right. A barbecue sauce without the chicken. <laughs> it's very tasty. <laughs> very good. Very good analogy. But where's the beef? Where's the, where's the? There's nothing here. It's not satisfying. It could be a nice, you can make the best barbecue sauce in the world. It's original and it's but it's it's, there's no what there's nothing here it's nice that's about it so it goes yeah in heaven it has some effect in heaven but there's no response you're not connecting so so there's no trickle down effect you're not changing anything you're not changing this world you didn't make a dent in this world Meditating for 60 years. Silently meditating for 60 years. And you don't make a dent in this one. You miss the boat. You missed the whole thing. The Zohar says very sharply. It does nothing. That's a very powerful statement to make. The Zohar, the Bible of Jewish mysticism. You would think it would praise spirituality to high heaven. And it does. These are the wings that cause the bird to soar. But are wings without a bird, Zora says? Nothing. What have you accomplished? Nothing.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsinTanya.com.